0: Well, we're going to continue here in Romans 2. I'm picking up and, and repeating some of the things I said already. Circumcision, to be sure, is useful if you carry out the law. Young Jewish boys are circumcised at the age of eight days. And so was our Lord. If somebody becomes a Jew later on in life, A male. He's circumcised. Uh, That's the sign because it's the sign of the covenant with Abraham, whose choice is the basis for everything else. That's why we're the children of Abraham. And so, uh, if then an uncircumcised man keeps the just requirement, the dekeoma of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? This is powerful. You see? And he who by nature is uncircumcised and accomplishes the law will judge you, who for all your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law. But he has in mind, he's writing to Rome, where there are Jews and Gentiles, now both Christians, in the same community. And they're not getting along. And the Jews still consider themselves um, superior. But then the Gentiles retort in kind, as we're going to see when we get to the other end of the letter. Don't you realize that branches were broken off so you could be grafted on? Uh, he's talking to the, to the, the um, those who were pagan before they became Christian. Uh, okay. For he is not a Jew who is a Jew in appearance, nor is circumcision in appearance in the flesh. Rather, he is a Jew who is so inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart, in spirit, and not in letter. He's getting that from the whole prophecy as he started his letter with this. And we'll bring it back. Whose praise is not from men, but from God. Well then, what's all this about the law? So he begins... What then is the advantage of the law? Basically, he's going to see the law and the heroes of the, of the Jewish faith have created a way of life that is so far superior and carries people along with all the ordinances that God has given them. What then is the advantage of, of the Jew? What is the benefit of circumcision? Much in every way. First, first, The oracles of God were confided to them. What a privilege. The Bible. They had the word of God. We have no idea. Those of us who are Christian. Especially if we're living in a fervent family. And a good environment. What it means. To know and hear the word of God. So much in every way. First. The oracles of God were confided to them. What then if some are unfaithful? Does their unfaithfulness annul the faithfulness of God? Of course not. Let God be true. God be acknowledged as true. And all men liars, as it is written, that you be justified in your words and victorious in your judging. And that comes from Psalm 51. The background of that is that God is accusing there's an there's a altercation going on. It can go on between two people and with a judge to watch it. At one point, Sodakalecha, justice is on your side. These words here, you see, uh, that you be justified in your words means what? That what you have said and what you have done proves that you are in the right and I am in the wrong. Do you remember when uh, Saul was pursuing David and David had a chance to kill him and didn't? Remember that? And David calls out to Saul. He's standing on a hill outside the, uh, the camp. He calls out to Saul. Here is a, a part of your cloak. Or another time, here's your water jug. I was that close to you, I could have killed you when I didn't. But because you're the king, and I respect that. And Saul says to him, is that you, my son? Beni, Beni, is that my son? Surakalacha?" Justice is on your side. So that's where that phrase comes from, which was used in the psalm. Justice is on God's side. If then our un- injustice serves to show forth the justice of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? I'm speaking according to human standards. Of course he's not unjust. If that were so, how will God judge the world? If then the truth of God by my lie redounds to his glory. Why am I still judged a sinner? You can hear all these arguments going on, can you? And is it not, as we are libeled, as some say we say, let us do evil that good may come of it? The condemnation of such as these is just. To accuse us of such things. Because we talk about the free justification through the blood of Christ. But we have to accept that. We have to believe in Christ. We have to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in us, bringing us there. That's why Paul VI said, you see, there are millions of Catholics who uh, go to church, but they've never been evangelized. They've never heard the good news and accepted it. I am a sinner, and I have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, and I thank you, God. Righteousness is on your side, not mine. That has to be done. So the preachers on the street trying to get people to do that are doing a good thing. Uh, Okay. Then he goes on. What then? Are we Jews superior? In no way. We have previously accused both Jew and Greek, we Paul, of all being under sin as it is written. And now he goes through this. There is not one just, not even one. There is not one who understands Not one who seeks God. And now he begins to uh, quote a lot of texts from the Old Testament, you see? Uh, They're dense. If you looked in your Bible, you'll see how dense now the the footnotes are. Uh, There is not one just, not even one. There is not one who understands, not one who seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have been useless. He's just quoting the Bible. And applying it to everybody. There is not one who practices kindness. There is not as much as one. An open grave is their throat. With their tongues they deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. It's a pretty heavy indictment. Well, walk down any city street. Passing saints on the way. Most people. Look at their eyes. What's going on in their head? Money, money, money. Vengeance, vengeance, vengeance. Who's going to preach to them? We have to. How many of those people, when they hear the good news, are captivated by it? You see? We know that whatever the law says, it addresses to those in the sphere of the law. So that every mouth be stopped and the whole world be under judgment in regard to God. Therefore, from works of the law... No flesh will be justified before him. For through the law comes knowledge of sin. And that's the way he ends this that argument. Huh? In other words, he's just described the corruption of the culture. But he's not saying, in our terms today, just because you call yourself a Christian, you can't look down your nose at everybody else how you're living it. Says don't steal, do you steal? Says don't commit adultery, are you committing adultery? then why do you think you're better than they are? You're not. And a noble pagan who's never heard this word but still practices the dictates of his conscience is far ahead of you. And most of those, when they hear this, are thrilled. Uh, And so... uh, So now let's go, with a little bit of time left, uh that's the end of that. See, through the law comes knowledge of sin. Don't tell me about it, I won't know. That doesn't mean you're not corrupting yourself. And you have a conscience. And that conscience is the reason, intuitively knowing what is right and wrong. And you know that that's going on inside of you except for some psychopaths who have no conscience. Okay. So the word conscience is the uh, synesis. Conscience is concerned with man's reflection about himself. I'm reading a passage here. The accents may be placed at two different points. In the one in one case self reflection is about being, so that the problem of conscience is especially one of knowledge. In the other, it is a reflection about action. And so then, the moral conscience is to the fore. I know what I'm doing wrong. Now, if I continue to do it and suppress my conscience, pretty soon I'm, I'm, I'm not able to see how wrong it is. At that point, the fathers of the church say, you see, the punishment for sin is sin. I can go on sinning, 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 and it's still sin, but I've so smothered my conscience that I can't hear its witness. That's the point there, you see. Uh, and so, uh, now the Greeks had a pretty refined sense of conscience. But it was, for them, it was an, an endowment of, within man because they didn't know anything about creation. Only, only the Jews knew about creation. But when you combine that notion, which is the heart, in Jewish terminology, uh, with the awareness of uh, creation, then you see, uh, you have the full um, capacity to judge. And if you don't, you see, your heart gets harder and harder. This is what Paul was describing in that first uh, chapter. huh? This all flows from the suppression of the truth. And if we look at modern Western culture, this is the story. It is the suppression of the truth. And from that comes the dulling of conscience. But we're responsible for having our conscience dulled. Even someone who's not brought up to know has a conscience. And it's amazing, sometimes in people who have had no training, no help at all, the noble things they do. You can have three men in a foxhole and a grenade lands there and one of them jumps on it and is blown to bits, but he saves the other two. Something was moving him at that moment that was generous and brave and right. And that's respected by Jesus Christ. See? So that's what's going on here. Uh, So, you see, as reason develops in us, this conscience develops. That's the reason why parents have such an enormous responsibility. Because reason begins very early in a child. And to instruct them and make them understand good and evil is only to minister to their conscience. And make it more refined, more active, more powerful, so that when they're, you know, older and faith builds on that awareness, you see, you can have really holy young people. And they are a privilege to know. Uh, they are a privilege to know. And so that's where he's gone with this. Up to this point, he's been talking about, uh, Paul has been talking about the need for salvation. And it starts with that notion of the suppression of the truth. You see? And so, uh, then, uh, he's going to go back to the notion, as we'll see next time, uh, in verse 21, God's justice was made known through the law and the prophets. has now been revealed outside the law. What kind of justice is this now? This is the whole other aspect of justice. That is God's fidelity to his promises. And we'll hear about that next time.